Today's reading um, is an extract from the Prayer on the Mount, and it's to be found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, and then 24 to 34. For those of you who have the Blue Church Bible, it can be found on page 918. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And from verse 24. No one can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Loving God, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us through your word today. Amen. So I sat writing this talk while a crack team of removal men were systematically packing up our house to move us into the vicarage three days ago. I know. <laughs> Finally, we're there. <laughs> well, we've never had a packing service before um, to move us, and it turned out that they didn't need me hanging around getting in their way. So I showed them where the tea was, and I went off to camp out in the vicarage instead. And I found that moving house makes you reflect on what you've had and what you're going to. And it's filled me with gratitude for what we've had. We've had a comfortable home to raise our children in, more than, that, uh, more than we actually need, even when money was tight. We've had enough rooms to make me whinge about cleaning them all. We've had space to be together, space to escape for time alone, food in the fridge, a shady garden for tents and paddling pools. For 16 of our 17 years there, a tortoise roamed its patch of grass and gravel. 
We have had friends and good neighbours and health. We have laughed and cried in that home, shared trivial things and deep things with one another and with others. There have been prayer times and dinner parties and birthday parties and illnesses and recovery and meetings and sleepovers and cots and babies and grandparents. When the season is right, God moves us on to new places, new spaces, new people and responsibilities. And now I'm deeply grateful for our new home in Seasalter. And we know that God is moving us on in this church as well. We've always longed to be a journeying church, a church of a river rather than a lake. And today we're celebrating with Philip through baptism his desire to journey in faith. How do you respond to a God who gives his life for you? By giving your life to him. As Philip's church, we want to travel and learn whatever it is that life ultimately leads him to do, and wherever he lives, wherever he works and thrives. In recent months, we've spent some time praying and seeking God for the kind of church we're meant to be in this next stage of our journey. And we're hearing the Holy Spirit calling us to press in closer to God, closer to one another, and closer to our community. And we know that we need to do that right across the age groups, from the very youngest to the very oldest in our church and community. We also know that we are really blessed to have this brilliant building here. And we have a refurbished and prayer-soaked space in the ancient church just up the hill as well. So I've been pondering what it is as a church that we have been learning as a community about God's generosity and giving over the years. Well, I think we've learned that it starts with gratitude. And gratitude starts with the acknowledgement that God is our provider at the very deepest level. And I don't mean just a provider of stuff, like a kind of divine waiter. I mean a God who meets us in provision at our very deepest point of need. It's Abraham who seems to first recognise that about God when he takes Isaac to the land of Moriah, believing that he's meant to sacrifice him. God firstly provides a way out. He provides a ram instead and prevents the sacrifice from going ahead. And then God preserves his promise to make him a great nation through his very son Isaac. And in response, a desperately relieved Abraham names the place that they're in Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. In Matthew 6, we hear, God, we hear Jesus talking about God's vast range of provision. He says, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to wear or eat or drink, or about your body. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father looks after their needs. He feeds them. Aren't you of more value than they are? Think about the lilies of the field. They don't work, but yet they're more beautiful, more beautifully clothed than even Solomon was in all his splendour. It shows us that God loves and treasures everything that he's created and that he's provided for all of it too. So why should we get anxious about his provision for us? He's given us everything we need, although we're often rather bad at doing our bit and sharing it. 
Ultimately, of course, God's provision is crowned by Jesus Christ because he provided his only son as a rescuer from our sin and from evil so that we might not perish but have eternal life. And not just any old life, life in all its fullness and abundance. And that's the very deepest need we have, isn't it? Life in place of death. Forgiveness for our wrongdoing and release from all the effects of it. That's what Jesus showed the world through his work during his ministry on earth. He showed them healing, restoration, forgiveness, compassion, mercy. He brought money out of a fish's mouth, for goodness sake. And then he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God has no problem at all with providing what we need. We've learned that it's linked to faith. When we seek God and we hear his will for us and for our community, then we're inspired to pray. And when we pray, God releases generosity in us and the resources that we need to fulfill his will for us and for the community. And that is how this place got built. Because God in his grace brought the vision to the church. The church prayed and worked it into being, trusting God for the provision of the resources that we would need and the finances that we would need. And it unlocked generosity in us. We wanted a place where we could gather as church and do this faith journey together. But we wanted to do it in the heart of this community with a building that could be used to bless and serve that community, especially during the week. And we're so excited by what God has done and is continuing to do here. We've got third age activities coming out of our ears, like singing and games events and social things, community lunches, there's the long-running open-door coffee morning, Pilates classes, blood donating, counselling, age concern, Pulse, the after-school club, youth activities, toddlers, family fun mornings, holiday clubs. There is always something going on in here. Just consider for a moment the blessing that God in his grace has poured out. And of course, we want to sustain what's happening, but we want to grow it. This building's been here for 12 years, so it's getting tatty and bits are starting to drop off. We need to make repairs. We need to raise payment, repayments for the refurbishments that have been going on up the hill. We've got more money to raise there. Our youth and our children's work is at capacity at the moment, and it's brilliant. We want to sustain that funding, obviously, and continue what's happening, and consider prayerfully where God is taking us. But Actually, let's have a bigger vision than that. Let's think about growing it too. Because actually there aren't very many churches in this region who are able to offer children's and youth work. And we don't want to see any of that die. There's too much need for this kind of thing going on. We've learned that we have to put our money where our mouth is, especially as Jesus seemed to talk about money a lot. We're part of a great big community that's in need and it's right on our doorstep and, we may, and they may not know yet how much they are loved by God and they certainly don't know yet how much we'd love to do the ups and downs of life alongside them, not all of them. There are people who obviously come from the community in but we just want to reach out more and more and more and blur those boundaries between the edge of this building and what's going on out there. 
Generosity begins with the understanding that in the way things work in the kingdom of God, our thriving depends on the thriving of others because we're made and we're called to flourish and thrive in community. And that's, I think, what Malachi chapter 3 is getting at when it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. It starts with our generosity. That's the key to our fruitfulness and flourishing, and that fruitfulness and flourishing across the community. If we honour God by recognising that what we have comes from him in the first place, and then we make it freely available for his purposes and for the flourishing of one another. Because God's heart is always to give to us with generous abundance. You see that pattern running right through the Bible. Manna in the desert that rains from the skies, everyone gathering just what they needed. Water from the rock, a bottomless jug of oil, a picnic lunch for thousands, a net groaning with fish after a night of empty net casting. And sometimes God seems to supply our needs in the most astonishingly detailed ways that directly meet our need at the time. Many years ago, I was standing in a Christian bookshop and uh, I was about to leave, but a particular Bible reference book caught my eye. And I bought it and I sent it on a whim to um, some missionary friends of mine who were away at training college just because I thought they might find it useful and I wanted to bless them. And a couple of days later, I received a letter in the post from one of them saying that they'd had a lecture the morning they wrote the letter and a particular reference book had been highly recommended. But they'd spoken to each other and they were on a really tight budget and they couldn't afford it. You can guess the rest, and how excited they were to find that as they left that lecture room and went to pick up their post, there was the book sitting, for, sitting waiting for them in their postal pigeonhole. God is startling sometimes in the level of detail and the grace he brings to our need. But God most often in the day-to-day -day seems to choose to give in ways that will help us thrive as human beings, collectively as well as individually. Yes, he provides the water, the seed and the sun, but we collaborate by planting and by cultivating, don't we? We reap what we sow. Because work too, you see, was always meant to be gift to us. It may not feel like it at times, but that's God's intention. We have a responsibility to reflect God's generosity to us in our generosity to one another in the church and in the community and further afield. And we know that the resources in this world are enough, but they are not fairly or justly shared. And we must bear our responsibility for our part in that. Now, I'm not going to go into uh, generosity and giving any more now, because next week we're going to be expanding on the theme of how we respond to God's generosity. But right now, Keith is going to come and talk to us about how giving works in practice in Sea Salter. Where are you? There you go, Keith. morning everyone um, so for the next two weeks we're asking you to look again at your generosity to this church 
the children's ministry and the youth ministries in particular are totally dependent upon the generosity of the congregations to support them. So how are we going to do it? So everybody who's on our contact lists will have an envelope at the back, a white one like that, with their name on it. If you can please pick it up at the end of the service. Inside, you'll find quite a lot of information, and it's split into two parts. So half of it is about information. So there's a letter from Paulette, there's a guidance on Christian giving, there's a leaflet on, um, on leaving a legacy, how to do that, and there's also an information booklet on money matters. So that's the information part. The other forms are about doing something. So when you've had a chance to review and read the information, there are a number of pieces of paper that you're probably going to need to fill in. The first one is a response form. That's the yellow one. And we've also given you a handy little brown envelope to put it in. Um, that's the one that you tell us what you're doing. Even if you're not changing anything, it's helpful to us to know so that we can plan what the finances are going to be for the coming year. If you tick the box that says you can gift aid on that, there is also a form to, to tell us again that you're able to do that. And then finally, and probably most importantly, there is a white form there which guides you on what you need to tell your bank. Because if you fill the yellow form in and tell us you're changing anything, we can't do anything with that as far as your bank goes. So you need to tell your bank what's going to happen. So whatever means you use to communicate with your bank, that's what you have to do. So we implore you really not to just leave this on the mantelpiece or the coffee table, but over the next two weeks to read it, think about it, pray about it, fill in the forms and give them back to us, either drop them in here or post them to the address on the front of the envelope. We're hoping to have them all back at the latest by Sunday the 9th of June. You'll get reminded again next week, I assure you. If you haven't got a named envelope um, and somehow you're missed off our contact list, there are some plain envelopes at the back if you can collect those. It would also be helpful if you could let one of us know that you'd like your name putting onto the email lists and then we'll have you for next year. Okay, thank you.